Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture and Fandom News. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and this week I'm joined by the one, the only, Carla from Bedwetter Behead. She is my only person on this week. So it's a, what did we used to be called? Do you remember when we did Bridesmaids and we had a nickname that was given to us and now I can't remember it? Me neither. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to go back and like re-listen or something because we it was good too. It was. So if anybody remembers that, let me know. It was like it was something with our names, of course, together. Which just, <laughs> I don't remember what it now I can't remember it. But if anybody remembers it or goes back and listens, please let us know. So it's that name week this week. <laughs> and Friday we are gonna be talking about David Bowie. And I'm in kind of a David Bowie haze right now because I just, like 20 minutes before finishing this, finished up the documentary. Uh, sort. Of, it's a very different kind of documentary, but Moon Age Daydream on HBO Max. And Carla is pointing to herself too. So does that mean you just finished it too? <laughs> no, but I watched it yesterday. And like, oh. I again, yes, the haze is going to linger. Yeah, it's very much I'm in this David Bowie haze, which will fit for our next recording. May not fit so much for our first one, but it's still, I don't know. It will. We'll see. So we are going to start, as we do every week, with our pop culture and fandom news episodes with Carla telling me one thing in fandom or pop Just culture. one. Just, oh, I thought you were saying one second. <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> so Carla's going to tell me just one thing in one second. <laughs> one quick thing. Yes. Well, um, I started watching Based on a True Story because Christmasina. I mean, like, is there any other reason to watch anything when he's like, honestly, like if you start watching something or, or if, if something comes out and it's like, eh, Christmas, you know, yes, I'm in. So I started watching it. I haven't gotten very far, but I'm already very into it because I love his his frustrated face and he makes it a lot. Yes. <laughs> and it's just so cute. It's like so handsome. And it, you just want to go up and be like, what's the matter? Um, I also 
like at the same time I was watching some episodes of the Mindy project. So there's like a lot of, you know, <laughs> parallel there. But the, the thing is with, with Chris Messina is that yes, it's the same beautiful frustrated face, but like the, the way that, that he can modify it because with the Mindy project, it was comedic. It's, it's a comedy. It's supposed to be funny. And with this, it there's so much more to it. And it's like a, a, a dramedy, I guess, more than really just a straight up drama. But he was already such a great actor 10 years ago on the Mindy Project. And he's only gotten that much better. So it's just, I, he's he's fantastic. And I love him. But yes, I'm, I'm watching the show. I'm not just talking about Chris Messina um, and saying his name 50 times just for the hell of it. Um, I'm watching him even despite Kelly Cuoco, who is th- there as well. Wow, I think she's actually really good in the show. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, but uh, she wasn't a draw to me like Chris Messina was. It's like, oh, oh she's also yeah. there. Eh. <laughs> she was really good in the show, uh, Flight Attendant. So didn't watch I, that one. Highly recommend that show. Um, I haven't watched the second season, so I can't speak to the second season. Uh, yeah, and I mentioned this show a couple of weeks ago i actually haven't finished it so because that's the way my life is i'll start a show and then like i have to prep for something else so then i forget about it but i did really like it i just haven't finished it yet and i like the guy who's playing the um you find out really quickly so i really and i told this in the other episode there's a serial killer that they're doing a podcast with and I really like the guy who plays the serial killer too. I think yes. he does. And he's so, <laughs> I just think it's, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a very dark comedy. It's not like light fluffy comedy by any means, but yeah. And once again, I still, I don't know if Carla's gotten to this episode, but it's not really much of a spoiler. It's just, um, there's a convention they go to and I just still can't believe it's a, these are real conventions for people who love true crime. And I'm like, this is a real thing because I was like, that can't be real. And I'm looking it up and I'm like, yep. Yeah. Like to me, it's like, that's kind of gross. <laughs> because like, it's one thing to listen to these shows, but then to go out of your way to fangirl about shows where people have actually suffered, to me, is really icky. I'm like, I'm not a fan of that. It's very bizarre to me. I mean, people collect yeah. merch of serial killers in, in real yeah. life too. So, I, which is very bizarre to me. But I mean, yes, I collect Michael Myers stuff, like I said on that episode, but Michael Myers is not a real person. So, <laughs> he's a fictional death dude. So, I feel like that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I always root for him to die, even though I collect stuff about him. So, it's a sort of you're gonna make voodoo dolls out of it so it's fine yeah yeah. (laughs) you're gonna make voodoo dolls about a fictional character yeah well what i'm into speaking of horror uh my my poor sister i want to say i gave my sister an out on this okay and she knows she knows this but so uh, the new Evil Dead movie, Evil Dead Rise, is uh, is on um, HBO Max. See, I still will not, you know. <laughs> and especially when you still have HB, the HBO, old HBO thing before the movies begin. I mean, come on. So anyway, uh, that is on HBO Max. And I do want to say up top, 
if you can't handle blood, lots of blood and lots of gore, steer clear of this movie because I I should have looked it up, but I bet this movie used more blood than like it's got to be in the top 5 of amount of blood it used. I was like, "Holy crap, there is so much blood." <laughs> Some of the stuff they do, it's like, "Oh my gosh." But anyway, just the funny part about it is I had said to my sister, I'm like, okay, I can either watch this movie by myself on Sunday. I'll just sit there and relax, me and Fergie, because Fergie, you know, loves horror. <laughs> or we can watch this now, you know, it's still daylight out, whatever. And so she said yes, and we're watching it, and she was like, Aaron, what? <laughs> and I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> you okay? It's like, why do I never learn? <laughs> I was wondering that too, because you, you posted on, I think, Instagram, something yeah, no, about that. Too, yeah. And I almost messaged you right then and there, like, when will your sister learn to listen to her own instincts? I know, I know. Because <laughs> I have, because I remember when the trailer came out for this movie and I sent it, the trailer to her, I messaged her and she's like, nope, that's a nope. <laughs> In that movie and then we watched it and she just was like exactly fergie's like yep i can yeah. back it up <laughs> fergie was like this doesn't have enough blood <laughs> i buy that but it's fun it's it's really dark though uh it does have a lot of throwbacks to um the first couple of evil deads including a throwback to um, in the first Evil Dead, the way the first person got possessed. And that's a very, very, very controversial scene for very good reason. Yeah. But they do it very differently in this, but it's still a callback to that, but it doesn't feel as awful as that did. And if you've seen it, you know, that'll make sense. It's in an elevator and it's just, it's just, it's just full on, gore fest and just craziness and just wild like honestly this is why the oscars need to pay more attention to horror movies because the special effects in this movie are so good and so realistic and frightening and i did wonder um and i need to look at it because there is a very young girl kid in this movie a very young child in this movie and who she's hilarious. She's so funny. She like one of the first things you see her like cutting off the heads of her doll and she puts it on like this broom and calls it um oh fuck. It's so funny because the broom handle breaks off and it comes in handy later. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like steak something or I don't remember and it's really she's hilarious. She's really funny. Uh, but I did wonder, and I know a lot of times when horror movies are made and they have kids, they try to do it where the kids just think of it as a fantastical, funny little thing, and they don't think of it as a horror movie. And so I wondered that with her because there's a lot of, you know, scenes with lots of blood and she's right there. So it's, mm. so I did wonder that, um, and I, I'll have to look into that and curious about how for her as a child, how that was, um, you know, so well, you spoilers can in her tell all in 10 years in her tell all in 10 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> here's my tell all of working on this um, but i and then lastly i will say i will never look at a cheese grater in the same way again oh my god <laughs> that scene i was literally like i i was like scratching my skin because it was so uncomfortable <laughs> 
Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know. <laughs> I guess I have something to look forward to. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so now I want to move on to one thing in pop culture or fandom that you are excited, upset, etc. about. This is something that I'm fascinated by. And it's, it's something that's more news that has become pop culture. And this is the um, the submersible that went down to the to, to the Titanic, and that the the debris was found, and you know nobody survived it. There were five people aboard, and none of them survived because it had a what do they call it? Just a catastrophic implosion. And the the thing where this becomes fascinating is in the reactions of people because on the one i mean almost everybody aboard this was a billionaire and i mean how else do you afford two hundred fifty thousand dollar tickets to dip down to see the titanic but the thing that that where i get fascinated is by the people who are basically billionaire apologists where they're like oh they're just like us you know like you shouldn't um you shouldn't be laughing at this because they're just humans like us. And it's like, mm, are they though? Because the issue is that, okay, there's no way to become a billionaire that doesn't involve stepping on regular people. And that doesn't involve, um, if you can make this much money and it's not being distributed to the people who helped you get there, then you're not a good person. Like that's not how good people are made. So it's um, in the lead up to to finding out the the fate of the the vessel. There were like so many memes and so many TikToks and like tweets and everything like that, poking fun at the whole situation. And the thing is, like, there weren't people really calling for all of these people to die in a sense of like this one should die and this one should die and this one should die. It's just like the the when everybody says you know eat the rich. Nobody's sitting there with knives and forks waiting for a meal to be served to them. It's the the idea that that this capitalistic society that we live in enables a very small amount of people to have most of the money in the world. And in the meantime, there's poverty, there's poor education, there's a huge class disparity. And it's being allowed to happen in the service of quote unquote, the American dream, like the, the bootstraps idea. So yeah, I, 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 I understand like as a human having sympathy for humans dying, but 
the, the defense of, of billionaires becoming billionaires and of doing whatever the hell they want with this huge amount of money that all together could have improved the lives of so many people also that they could go down and stare at the wreckage of a ship where let's face it most of the people who drowned were not the ones in first class there's a huge irony in all of it but yeah mostly like i said i'm I'm just fascinated by the people who who just staunchly defend billionaires being billionaires and them making money and them being treated with respect when they don't show respect to their fellow humans. So like I said, it, it's it's not any one thing or another other than, than fascination because you really get to see a discussion play out in often very entertaining ways that you wouldn't necessarily normally see because it's not often that this very specific situation happens. And, you know, the extension of that is, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and um, Elon Musk deciding that they're going to get into a cage match. And so many people are saying, hmm, can they do the cage match underwater? Which I think is hilarious because these are two of the of the worst people on the planet. And I'm like, I'm down to see that. Yes. But yeah, like the disrespect that rich people have for people who are not and the ways that they take advantage of them and collude to keep them poor. Yeah, there's not a ton of sympathy for that uh, economic class. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, there are some great TikToks out there about this too. And there's a great tweet thread, and I was trying to find it here about the, you know, about how a lot of people, you know, were also making jokes that, oh, look, the Titanic is going after rich people again, but then made a thread saying, well, that's actually not, like you said, Carla, the majority of people that actually died on there. And that the Titanic is a great study in like a, a class warfare, basically. And what happened to people who did not have a lot of money and stuff, because it, the amount of time that the media talked about this and were worried about these people. And another good point that's made is that is this amount of time being spent on, um, you know, I know a lot of indigenous people have said, you know, on missing and indigenous um, children and women and, you know, missing um, black children as well. And all of this other stuff, and they're spending all of this money trying to rescue these people when they don't spend that money trying to rescue other people or trying to even give people health care. It's yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, well that's the other thing. It's look at the millions spent just in this endeavor. Yeah. Like overnight millions of dollars were gotten out of couch cushions. And there was there was such a huge amount of people and and organizations coming forward to lend their assistance for this. Meanwhile, you have a trawler that was, uh, I think, trying to get to Greece. 
um, with, I think it was like, it's between 400 and 700 people that are currently missing from that because it capsized. And uh, most of the people who are missing are women and children because they were down below. And now they're, they're, they're gone. Now I will say, like, there's this one apparently super wealthy person who is not absolute trash. They have like a, I forget, I think it's like a hundred million dollar yacht where they rescued a hundred people. So like, you know, they should still contribute more to humanity, but still like they, they, they rescue people, but there are rumors floating around about the, the Greek coast guard having a hand in the, the boat capsizing there were several international coast guards that could have assisted in finding these people and they chose not to there the 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 vessel sent out distress signals for hours before it capsized and nobody stepped in to render aid and there is like some sea law there's like a sea law that says that you have to like you know that that like regular laws don't apply no matter what immigration law says, sea law is you rescue people. And there have been people who have been arrested for rendering aid to migrants. And then this is just like nobody wanted to help. Nobody stepped forward and people, uh, so many lives have been lost. We don't even know how many at this point. All of this happened within days of the uh, the submersible going missing. And there was like almost zero coverage about it. Almost zero coverage about it compared to five wealthy people who voluntarily went into a craft that even somebody who had been employed at the company that runs it or that ran it brought up issues with it and then was promptly fired for bringing up these safety issues. So that that in itself like it doesn't again it doesn't exactly lend a lot of sympathy to these rich people escaping the humdrum of billionaire life versus people fleeing um extreme poverty and displacement and war and because you know it's it's not like anybody gets on a vessel that's kind of shaky without a good reason especially when you're bringing you know your babies your children with you you're running from something and you're running towards hopefully something better and globally the people who are in a position to help have been trying to avoid helping now that is inhumane. Some memes and some TikToks making fun of um, people wanting to go see the Titanic, not inhumane. Tasteless? I don't know. That's a judgment call. But what is inhumane is letting hundreds and hundreds of people drown just because you see them as less than human or less than worthy of your protection. Yeah, and the only way I knew about that that was from TikTok, frankly, because yeah. and I watch the news every morning. I watch the news every morning and I saw about the the rich people about like 100 billion times 
every day, at least 20 minutes talking about it each hour, it seemed. And I didn't once that I can remember. And maybe they did and I'm wrong and it was just part that I missed. But I don't remember once at all this past week or seeing anything about it or hearing anything about it at all except for on TikTok because, you know, I mean, that is one good side of TikTok used to be a good side of Twitter. But yeah, (laughs) then a rich billionaire came and took it over and is a little wants to have some that cage match thing is the most ridiculous, stupid thing. And what's so interesting to me is that, you know, people really believe there are a lot of people that believe if people are rich, they're just smarter than you. If if you're not rich, those people are smarter, which is bullshit. Some Mm -hmm. of the smartest people in the world are not rich. That has nothing to do with it. And a lot of people that are rich didn't even get there by hard work. A lot of people that are rich got there because their families were rich and they came from money. So it's not this magical thing of like, you know, the only people that get rich are people that work really harder. That's the myth of the American dream because that's not true because if it was true, the people that work the hardest in this country are people that make crap, don't make a lot of money and are treated like crap. And so if that myth was true, those people would be billionaires. It's yeah. Because they work harder than the people that run those companies. Like when you watch Jeff Bezos, like um, in the fantastic documentary, once again, go watch Americon. Um, And Jeff Bezos in that clip where, you know, he's doing that stupid space travel crap. And he's like, I want to thank all my workers who helped me get here. I'm like, if that's not a middle finger to your workers, I don't know what is that. I mean. And I don't care if there was any kind of joking behind that. That's that's not okay. That's because worse. it's true. Because yeah, and it's true. It's true. And it's so gross and disgusting that you're thanking your workers who are working without bathroom breaks, who are who were who were um, when the pandemic started, who were working in facilities where there was COVID exposure and they weren't told about it. People that were putting their lives on the line for you to go fly up in space. It's it's, it's completely disgusting. Asinine. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. So yes, I mean, you, everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now that we criticize capitalism left and right because it's a disease and, um, you know, we see symptoms all the time. And this is also another part of white supremacy. If you don't think all this stuff leads back to that, it does. Absolutely. You know, capitalism is part of white supremacy. I mean, <laughs> hello. Okay, well, mine is my thing is there was a thread where someone was talking about on Twitter, and I'm not gonna, the reason I'm not saying their name is because when it's something where people are piling on them, even if it's deserved, quote unquote, deserved, I don't wanna add more piling on. But this person had responded to someone tweeting about some, um, I, I haven't watched The Bear yet, I hear it's fantastic, but some ship in the bear. And this person had said, I think, you know, it's a sad thing that young people now are so connected to ships because they're probably really lonely. And this person went on to kind of insult that, insult being that. And then the one thing that I did, I did respond to this. I did quote tweet this one because this one was the one that got me. 
they said fandom is a great place to make friendships, but fandom is not community. And that to me is so not true. Mm-mm. I would not have this podcast without fandom. I would not. Some of my closest and dearest friends are from fandom. I mean, people that I feel have been better friends in my life than other friends I've had in my life. And so I just wanted to just say, I just think people sometimes look down on fandom because they think of it as just that screaming thing and just that, you know, like um, they kind of, what's the word? But they kind of look down on it like it's this thing that has no substance and it's just a bunch of people just freaking out about something they love. And yes, there is a lot of that geeking out and which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also a real sense of community because a lot of these people don't have anybody else that can relate to the things that they love. And so, yes, it may start out as like a place where like you get to geek out over a show that you love, like the Mindy Project is how I met Carla. And so you're geeking out about that, but then it can lead to other things like encouraging um, creative paths, writing, um, exploring some side of yourself that you weren't allowing yourself to explore and getting encouragement on that. It can also be like people who have lost their homes or are struggling can reach out to fandom and find that there. Um, Tanya, they wrote a whole, they co-wrote a whole book about fandom acts of kindness and about what fandom can do to try and change the world. So to say fandom, is just a place where you might be able to meet some friends, but it's not a community is so false to me and plays into the stereotype of that fandom is just this frivolous little thing and that you should only be into it if you're like a little kid or you're a teenager and that it's not okay for adults to do it. And it just really irked me. And I, you know, I do, I mean, I think maybe there was some kind of real interesting point being made there about the shipping thing, but the thing that maybe, but the thing that struck me the most was just that statement about fandom not being community because it 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 really is a community that it's just plain and simple i mean if a place is going to raise money help people come together in trying times be like someone's lifeline literal lifeline that's what a community is so yeah yeah and that's like so so self-contradictory to say that you can find friends but you can't find community hmm exactly where why are you saying two things that say the opposite thing i know that was what a lot of people were pointing out they were like here's the definition of community (laughs) like oh my god like take two seconds to think before you tweet yeah i think it was more this person was really trying to goat people and it was one of those kind of Twitter th- tweet Twitter threads where they had said one thing about the ship, and then because they had started getting a lot of responses to that, they were they got defensive, but also wanted to keep stoking the fire a little bit. Mm. And that's what can happen a lot of times on on Twitter and and social media in general too. I mean, not just Twitter, but Twitter is where you really can see it happen in real time, and of course Facebook too. But yeah, so. So I just wanted to just let everybody know if you are part of a fandom and you found friends and community there, don't feel that that's a beautiful thing. I mean, 
this podcast would not exist without my found family that I found through fandom. That's could end up being a tongue twister, but. (laughs) 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 And that community that has saved me in a lot of ways. So, you know, yes, embrace your fandom, embrace your fandom community. There is nothing shameful or wrong. As long as you're not hurting anybody, there's nothing shameful or wrong about that. Indeed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. So for our topic, it's a little bit light, but it's an important one. Um, so finally, it looks like the Academy is discussing adding a stunt category to the Oscars. This is something that people have been asking for for a long time because stunt Workers work damn hard. A lot of the stuff you see happen in movies that you love would not happen without a stunt actor and a stunt coordinator and all of that. Um, And a lot of this, this time kind of started when Chad Stileski, who is the director of um, four John Wick movies. I still have yet to see a John Wick movie. I know, I know, I will someday. Uh, With, of course, Keanu Reeves spent the majority of his John Wick Chapter 4 press tour earlier this year urging the Academy to create an Oscar category for stunt work. And he has said that uh, that it, they've been meeting with members of the Academy and actually having these conversations. And to be honest, it's been nothing but incredibly positive, incredibly instructional. And he thinks that for the first time, they've made real move- movement forward to making this happen. And he even went on to say that he believes a stunt Oscar, Oscar can happen as soon as this next year's Oscars or at least the one after that or at the latest the next three or four years, which is really remarkable. I never thought they would do this because, I don't know, I, I think the Oscars felt like it was like too people choicey to do that. And like the stunt actors were not like – real actors kind of thing kind of crap you know it's that whole level of snobbery <laughs> stuff. Um, but why do you think carla why do you think it's important to have this category at the oscars i think it's it's so important to recognize people who have people who participate in a craft should be recognized and they should be recognized by people who are part of the community for which the craft is performed. You know, like there, you can't have a decent action movie without a stunt scene. And most actors don't have the training or maybe the the capability of undertaking the stunts that like a, a director might want to see. So in come the, the, brave and wonderful people who do this, who train for years and decades and more to do these amazing falls and jumps and turns and kicks and fights and 
all of these amazing things that, that you get to see, that you're privileged to see on a screen is through their labor. And to continually deny them recognition for that labor on the idea that, oh, well, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not really art. It's an absolute art because not only do they have to sell the fall, they have to sell it in such a way that it meshes with the character that they're representing and that provides continuity to a story. And in a lot of ways that propels the story forward. So in all of that takes so much, it's a form of acting in and of itself to, you know, be hit with a blast and get back up as if nothing happened to just brush it off to, you know, to deal or take a punch in such a way that you're selling it as like real, where you think, Oh my God, did this actually happen? And yeah, the Academy is just incredibly snobby and it's, it's not surprising in the least to me that it's taken them this long to even think about it because this is the same place that, like you said earlier, just snubs horror horror performances and horror films which are there are so many horror movies that are so much more worthy of recognition than a lot of movies that do end up being recognized even with the expansion of like the however many films they nominate in a year it's still comically short of the goal because you're still not nominating performances that merit it you know in genre films and in horror films so and and uh stunt people you see their work you know i mentioned specifically action but yes horror comedy drama every single genre is touched by stunt work in one way or another how many um comedies do you see where like an actor takes a pratfall or like falls down the stairs but comically and yet you know these people are unsung and the only time that you really see them talked about, it's kind of like, a, oh, you'll never guess what this person's stunt double looks like. Okay. But did you see the amazing work that they did? Like, that's the important thing that I would love to see celebrated. And, and just for the longest time, I've always thought that stunt actors are just so amazing because it's, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, objectively, like, why would you do that? You know, why would you put yourself in such danger? But at the same time, it's really cool that there are people who are willing to, to test the, the boundary of the human body and to push it to see what it can do for the sake of entertainment. Again, there's a level at which it's silly, but then again, it's there's a lot of courage involved. And um, I think that... Yes, you could have movies without the stunts. I just don't think they'd be as good because film, the, the main feature of film is that it's a it's a visual medium. And without those elements to it, it, it just takes a lot out of it. Yeah, and, you know, when the Oscars decided to, um, you know, increase the the number of best picture nominees that the max they could have is 10, which it's last year there were 10, but it's been very rare that there've even been 10 films nominated. And that's just because of the way their voting system is set up. They did that in response to the fact that people were 
outraged that The Dark Knight did not get nominated for Best Picture. So people really thought that deserved a nomination. And that was the last year you saw five Best Picture nominees. So they did that in reaction to that. Does that mean that has changed it and genre films have been nominated continuously? No. I mean, there have been a few. Yes, there have. But comparatively and in the years that they've been doing it, no. And there has also been talk of wanting to increase like the acting nominations and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that that will that that will magically make these people who people who are in genre films get nominated. It just means more people that are in the more quote unquote prestigious films will be nominated. Probably. I mean, that's what I predict. But it's funny because the Oscars will then do things like they did a couple of years ago where they're like, let's have a um, People's Choice Award here with the most audience-friendly moment. And it was a really cringe thing, honestly. (laughs) And people hated it. But it was like this weird thing where they're like, we want to reach out because we want more viewers because the Oscars, that's their biggest struggle now, is trying to get millions of people to tune in. And so people say, well, if you nominated other films, bigger films, you'd get more people to tune in. Like the fact that they nominated, you know, like Top Gun, Maverick last year and stuff like that. So, um, but I think with with stunt, the stunt category is that, you know, first of all, these people are a lot risking their lives. They are literally risking their lives for some of the stuff they do. Yes, they're trained, but things can go wrong. Um, you know, they set themselves on fire. They do all sorts of things for our enjoyment and to also for the story um, and to make the story more believable and more real. And their other big thing is, you know, their big, big duty is to also make it so seamless that you never once go, oh, that's the stunt actor. Oh, that's the stunt actor. Yes, there are times when you will watch a movie and you'll go, Okay, that wig looks nothing like that actor's hair. Yes, that can happen, but that is not on the stunt actor or the stunts. So that is more on everything going on behind the scenes. But they're they're essential, and a lot of actors, really grateful actors, will give big shout outs to their stunt actor and their stunt, and even like their stand-in. Because if you don't know this, before a shot is done, and if you're on a big big Hollywood set, really small, independent. This isn't necessarily done, but they'll have like a stand-in for the actor that has to kind of match the actor in some way. And they'll stand there to do the lighting, to make sure lighting is okay, to do a test for that, that kind of thing. And that's not done usually with the actual star or the actual person that's playing that character. So you also have that. So that's the thing is I think people think um, with movies, you've got the actor, the director, and the writer and that's it, and the people that give money to make it happen. But there's so much that goes on behind the scenes, and the stunt cast, stunt, not stunt casting, sorry, but stunt actors and stunt coordinators and all of that is a big, huge part of what makes a film work or not work, depending on who you have. So yes, it's just as important, and they should get recognized. You know, they have a stunt category at the Screen Actors Guild, So they should definitely have a stunt category at the Oscars because it's not like 
it's not cheapening it. It's not like being like, oh, they're just, they're not as worthy. They work damn hard and they do really hard stuff. And it is an art form and they can't make it be like, here I am. That's the other thing is they have to blend so seamlessly in that they get no recognition, <laughs> that people don't know what they look like unless you see them in an interview or something. But even then people won't remember. So that's that's a really hard thing to do when you're on camera to blend back in when you're like, especially doing like a lead performance. And yes, there are actors like Tom Cruise and other people that do their own stunts. But do you think seriously, even though he does his own stunts, do you think he doesn't have like a stunt coordinator that's going to be there and help him do that? They're not going to be like, go ahead. <laughs> Take a chance. <laughs> Jump out of that airplane. <laughs> Let's just see your take just for funsies. Just once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus, another reason they hire a lot of uh, stunt coordinators and um, stunt actors is insurance reasons, uh, which is not, I'm not cheapening what they're doing. I'm just saying they have to for insurance reasons. So they deserve more love, more respect. Genre films deserve more love and respect because a lot of genre films, just because it's a genre film doesn't mean it's not telling you, it's not saying something important or it's not helping people, or it's not, you know. And you also, yes, I love independent films. Yes, I love arty films. But I also love popcorn films, and I love escapist films. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it doesn't mean one is better than the other. So we need to just, people need to just get over themselves. And I'm really, I'm really happy, though, to hear this, because I never thought this would happen. When I saw that headline in Variety, I was like, seriously? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's probably not true. I'm going to read the article. And <laughs> like, they're probably just putting it this way when it's actually like, oh, it was brought up at some lunch and that was it for like two seconds. But this gives me hope if somebody is hopeful that it'll happen within, I, I don't know if it'll happen this coming next one, but it will happen in the next few years at least. That's pretty hopeful. And I hope it does. And I hope maybe it'll lead to other things and and you know also remembering that the fact that makeup and special effects and stuff in horror movies doesn't like dominate at the Oscars always will blow my mind. <laughs> it's just like okay and costumes too. I mean if we think that there would be like a category that would be a gimme for you know like attracting eyeballs it would be those. I know. I mean, I mean, like last year or this past year's Oscars, you didn't even have like Barbarian wasn't even nominated. And that was a huge success. You didn't have that nominated. There was a whole campaign for Terrifier 2 had a whole campaign to be nominated in that category. Everybody knew it wasn't going to happen. But it cracked me up because I was just picturing if you've seen Terrifier 2, you know why this would crack you up. I was just picturing these snobby old academy members having to watch terrifier too <laughs> with just the the bedroom the the like 10 minute bedroom death scene if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about i just picturing that was really <laughs> now i have to go watch it uh, well i will say you you have it's it's extreme gore it's like an extreme horror film but the gore is so over the top that it's very um 
it's easy to kind of be like, this is so ridiculous that it's not realistic. <laughs> so basically like the first two Evil Dead movies. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And and the guy who plays Art the Clown, you know, the evil guy, uh, he studied mime and stuff, and which works so well. He's so good because he doesn't talk, and but he's very expressive. So anyway, that's a totally different thing. <laughs> You can talk to me about excited about that one next week. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've mentioned it before. On the, I mentioned it on our top ten of of, of last year. So <laughs> that's, that's I, what I you're think, getting. I think I raised it from from my mind because you said clown, and I was like, right, I'm out. <laughs> that's true. It's <laughs> he's a creepy clown too. So yeah, yeah. And it's a two. It's like over. It's like almost two and a half hours long. It's a very oh long movie. What is? Who do they think they are? Star Wars, Marvel. <laughs> but but we champion. We are championing. Champ. We are. You know. We're behind you. Performers. <laughs> Sometimes you can't say words. I'm that way. Like I still, I can't say, I don't pronounce monster. Like people make fun of me how I say furniture. I say furniture instead of, I guess, the correct way or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. So I guess I can't say that word. Champanine, champanine. God, I still can't say it. Anyway, so we're going to wrap up before I go down a rabbit hole of trying to pronounce that word. <laughs> oh my God. So Carla, I am championing you champ <laughs> it, just stop so i am behind you i'm rooting for you to let me know where they can find bad weather behead <laughs> where i'm sure you'll do an episode with the characters from the terrifier series totally yes. <laughs> definitely up meg's alley <laughs> absolutely i'm sure she can't wait or the evil dead series oh oh my god <laughs> she evil is dead salivating salivating for that yeah. Uh, so tell us where they can find Bedwater Behead and you. Well, Aaron, since you asked so nicely, I will tell you that you can find Bedwater Behead wherever you get your podcast on. You can look for our social media on Twitter. We are at Bedwood Pot. Mm, see, you've passed it on to me. <laughs> wow. Way to go. You're welcome. <laughs> on Twitter, we are at Bed Wet Behead Pod. We have tweeted twice this week. So I know, I know. It's getting <laughs> dangerous out there. They want to like oversaturate your feed, but there it is. On Instagram, where we have posted. Yes, we have posted on Instagram at bedwet. No, at bed.wet.behead.pod on TikTok which we will not talk about how much we've posted or not. Look for us at Bed, Wet, Behead Pod. You can find me, my art, and my musings at Carla Temis on Instagram, where I have recently posted new pictures of uh, primarily marine life and uh, a plant or two, because I like that kind of stuff, and I think it's pretty, um, at Carla Temis or my website, carlatemis.com, C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S.com. Awesome, and I'm just I'm into the finger tapping lately for Carlos. <laughs> or just in general, <laughs> or just in general, yes, <laughs> yes. Pl please go check out Carla's amazing 
work. Um, I know I've shared a couple in our Instagram stories, so I hope you have seen those. Everyone, I know a couple people have. I well, more than a couple. So I hope you've gone to Carla's website and actually, you know, looked through those through the amazing portfolio of Carla's amazing work. So, so go do that. Go do that. Uh, and this is Aaron. Remember, you don't want to follow me um, because I don't do anything on Twitter. I get like all those recommended tweets, which are most of them are BS, except for that fuck you, I quit account. That one is fine. But <laughs> but most of the other ones, I'm like, no. Why, why do you think I like this? I do too. <laughs> so I'm like, that's fine. You can keep sending me notifications from them. I don't want notifications from – I'm like – why are you sending me notifications from Elon Musk? I don't want to do that, dude. I know. I'm like, I muted this person and blocked this person for a reason. Don't be – It's and it's on other accounts. Anyway, that's a side thing, but that's an <laughs> annoyance. So, <laughs> But you do want to follow Fergie, the horror lover. That sounded really weird. So, But follow Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S C H R O E D E R A N D F E R G S. I know it's long, but it is worth it because she's adorable. Uh, and be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And while you are there, if you like what you're hearing and you would like to hear more of it, or you would like to hear ad free episodes, please head on over to our Patreon, which you can click on the support the show, or there's actually the link in the show notes as well. And we have we are offering a seven-day free trial at the $3 a month level, and you'll get bonus episodes. Like we had a Renfield episode. Carla and I just did a single all the way episode, which, which should be out by the time this has dropped. We've done Cocaine Bear. We haven't done cocaine on there, but we have done cocaine. Cocaine Bear. Oh, man. We are going to be doing a special episode talking about the Barbie movie. Uh, we still have the poll up for the Billy Zane movie It's that we're going to cover for July for our Patreons and supporters. And it's a tie right now between um, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, Demon Knight, and Carla's write-in vote of Zoolander, which, you know, because Billy Zane's in there for two minutes. <laughs> Those two minutes really changed the entire trajectory of the film. Yes. So it's a tie. <laughs> so if you want to help break that tie or if you want to just make it a three-way tie, not a three-way, but a three-way tie, <laughs> you can vote for one of the other ones over there too. So become a Patreon supporter for the seven-day free trial. And then after that, it's three bucks a month, or you can just come an automatic supporter because at the higher tiers, there isn't a free trial, but you do get at the higher tiers more stuff like merch after a certain amount of time too. And we also occasionally do giveaways too for our Patreon supporters. I did a behind the scenes video of me editing a little bit. I'm going to do a behind the scenes video eventually of how, what I do to prepare for these episodes just for fun. 
And so once again, head on over to the link in the show notes or go to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the support us button there. You can also buy us a coffee. You can head on over to our Redbubble store to pick up some great, amazing merch. Or the best thing you can do for me and Carla and all independent podcasters out there is rate us five stars on iTunes and on Spotify. And also share, 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 share. Tell your neighbor, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Well, if you want to tell your coworkers, tell your dog, tell your cat, tell everybody if you love it, because that is the best thing you can do for us. And we appreciate it so much. So thank you so much for continuing to listen. And on our next episode, we are going on a space oddity to talk about the late, great David Bowie. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the Best Sellers Body Care Set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.